Amen. Some of you didn't know a fiddle could be played like that. No, just kidding. It's violin. Well, if you got your Bibles, let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 26 this morning. 2 Chronicles chapter number 26. It's a joy to be here at Bethany Baptist Church. I appreciate the opportunity to come in on a Sunday. It's been several years since we've been able to speak in the church. Usually come and just do camp. And so I appreciate being the opportunity to fill in for Pastor Jeremy this morning. So I appreciate him allowing us to come. My name is Taylor Gillespie. Glad to have my wife Jessica and our little girl Kylie with us and her nickname is Legion and she's two years old and she you say how are y'all doing she's two years old that's how we're doing so you pray for us and uh, we have the privilege of uh, traveling on the road and preaching in churches just like this and camps in the summertime and so this week really kicks off our summer so we're excited to be here I appreciate the Mendoza family I got to meet them in the summer 2011 and they've been friends to me and our family ever since I sure appreciate uh, all of them and trust the Lord will meet with us this morning and I say a happy Father's Day to you and I trust that you have a wonderful day with your family and outside of the love of Jesus and the love of my wife uh, the words I love you a daddy are the greatest words I've ever heard so it's wonderful to be a daddy isn't it and it's a great privilege but the Bible says who much is given much is required and as a father you and I have a responsibility don't we and we can't just put that thing on cruise control and let them raise their sales uh, we got to raise those children for Jesus so what a great responsibility uh, that that is. I often think to myself, you got one shot. Isn't that true? You got one shot as a daddy. You got one shot as a mama. And I want by God's grace to do it right because you only get one chance, one shot. As I pray the Lord would help us to be the moms and the dads uh, that we need to be uh, for our children. So 2 Chronicles chapter number 26. And I don't want to preach long today, but I want to give you the goods and then get out of the way. Okay? So the Bible says in verse number, let's start off in verse number 3. Now we could start off in verse number 1, but really verse number 1 and 2 bleed over from chapter number 26. Chapter 25 tells the story of King uh, Amaziah, and his story bleeds over into the first two cha- uh, verses of chapter 26, and that really concludes his life. And the story of Uzziah, that's who we're going to look at this morning, begins in verse number 3. So chapter 26, verse number 3, the Bible says, 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign. And he reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem. Can you imagine that? He became king over Judah, that southern kingdom when he was 16 years old. How many is here 16 years old? Would you raise your hand? Well, that's a scary thought, isn't it? 16 years old. He became the king. And the Bible says he went on to reign for 50 and 2 years. I believe that was the second longest reign of any king in the southern kingdom of Judah. The Bible says his mother's name also was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. By the way, whether it's right or whether it's wrong, it's all in the sight of the Lord. I said whether it's right or whether it's wrong, it's all in the sight of the Lord. The Bible says, behold, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. But the Bible says he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. Verse number 5, the Bible says, And he sought God in the days of Zechariah. You say, who's Zechariah? Didn't he write a book of the Bible? There was a Zechariah that wrote a book of the Old Testament, but this was not him. We don't know much about this Zechariah. All we know was that this Zechariah helped Uzziah seek the Lord in those days. How many knows it's a good idea to have a friend that will help you seek the Lord? And so that's what Zechariah did. And it goes on to say, Zechariah, who had understanding of the visions of God, and notice this, this is what it says about Uzziah here, as long as he sought the Lord, 
God made him to prosper. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. It's almost like it's a hint of how this story's going to go. Everybody tracking with me? I know it's early. Go ahead and shake yourself. It's almost like that's a hint of how this story's going to go. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Father, I pray that you would help us this morning as we unpack this to several truths uh, right here on the surface of this story. And I pray that you would help them to apply them to our lives. Lord, it's a, need, a, a needful message. It's really a message of revival this morning. And Lord, we need that in our homes, in our lives, in our churches. Lord, I pray, I've asked you in private, now I ask you in public to please anoint this message in the preaching. Lord, if there be a visitor among us today that's lost and on their way to a hot burning hell, I pray that they would turn around and turn to you and receive Christ as their personal Savior and be saved on this Father's Day Sunday. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll never forget, it was three years ago, my wife and I, we very excitedly uh, pulled on to the property of the RV lot there in our town in Arkansas where we live. I walked into the office. I had a down payment in my hand. I checked. I walked into the cell office. I put the down payment on the uh, desk there. We signed some papers and they handed us the keys to our brand new 37 foot travel trailer and uh, we were excited that day. We uh, swung around, we hooked it up to our Suburban, and we made our way out of the lot. And as I began to pull out onto the main road, and there was a road about the two miles before we got onto the interstate. As I pulled onto that main road, the thought hit me, I've never pulled a trailer before in my life. Now listen, this was not just a trailer. This was our home. And this is not just a 20-foot trailer. This is a 37-foot trailer with three slide-outs. I mean, this thing is a hoss. I mean, it is massive. And it thought, the thought occurred to me, I've never pulled a trailer before in my life. Well, we got on the main road, and we traveled about two miles, till we finally got onto uh, up to the interstate. We passed under the overpass, and then we began to make our way up the ramp onto the interstate. And finally, once I, and I did pretty good on the main road, but once I got onto the interstate, all of a sudden, armpits were soaked, uh, beads of sweat pouring down my face. I mean, knuckles were wild on the steering wheel. I was going 45 miles an hour down the interstate. I mean, old ladies were honking and were driving past me. There's two miles of cars lined up behind me trying to get around. People were honking and, and saying things I cannot repeat in church this morning. And uh, I mean, it was just a sad situation. And so for four, by just 45 miles an hour, I drove all the way down the interstate. We drove for several minutes until we got to our exit and took it off and sure enough, got it home. And and that was a nerve-wracking experience. But that was three years ago. Since then, we've pulled it multiple times. In fact, just several weeks ago, we pulled it across town once again, back to the dealership, had work done on it, and brought it back home. And I told my wife at that point, I said, that's the most comfortable I've ever been in three years of pulling this trailer. Isn't that how life is? Once you do something for the first time you've never done before, you're nervous, and, and you're just kind of anxieties on, uh, on high. But after you've done it for a while, you've done it a few times you start to get confident you start to get comfortable come on now but the problem comes when you start getting too confident and you start getting too comfortable and today in our story, there's really two overarching, two takeaway truths that we find from the life of Uzziah here in chapter 26 in 2 Chronicles. And those two overarching takeaway truths are this from his life. Humility took him up. Pride took him down. Can I say this morning, humility will take you up. And pride 
will take you down. I'm going to preach on this subject this morning for a few moments. The downfall of pride. The downfall of pride. I'm going to show you three aspects about a king who went from royalty to leprosy. From royalty to leprosy. Notice number one with me this morning. I see a discernible pattern in the life of Uzziah. A discernible pattern in the life of Uzziah. The Bible says again in verse number five, And he sought God in the days of Zechariah. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah. I love that phrase there. You don't see it in here in the English, but in the Hebrew, the way the wording is constructed, it, it indicates intensity. And here's what it means. It means that he set himself up with determination to seek God. He set himself up with determination to seek God. In other words, here was a man who felt his need for God. Have you ever felt your need for God before? Have you ever been in a situation where you thought to yourself, Lord, if you don't help me, and if you don't give grace, and if you don't move, and if you don't work, God, if you don't help me, this thing's going to be a disaster. You ever been in that place in your life? And I believe through humble desperation, Uzziah as a young man, 16 years old, he began to seek after a God. You say, why was he so determined to seek God? I think one of the clues is found here in verse number 1. The Bible says that all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father, Amaziah. And made him king in the room of his father, Amaziah. Now, he was the son of the former king, so I think he knew one day he would eventually take the throne but here he is at the age of 16 and the wording seems like they forced the throne upon him they forced him they made him to be king you ever found yourself in a position where you thought to yourself well I didn't sign up for this you ever been there can I say this nobody signs up to be a single mother nobody signs up for cancer come on now and you find yourself in a situation where you say, uh, maybe I expected to be there one day, but I didn't expect it to be two days. I mean, I didn't think I'd be in this position yet. And you find yourself overwhelmed. And because you're inexperienced and you've been thrust into a position or a place in your life or a situation that you were not expecting or you were not ready for, that humble desperation drives you to seek after God. I think about his age as well. It wasn't just a situation that maybe he didn't sign up for. I believe it was his inexperience as well. He was 16 years old when he became the king over a kingdom. All of a sudden as a teenager, he's responsible for leading and guiding and protecting and providing for an entire kingdom of people. Let me ask you a question. What in the world were you doing when you were 16 years old? Well, I got my first job. I got my driver's license. I got my first cell phone. Come on now. And it wasn't an iPhone either. Come on now. Listen, I wasn't old enough for black and white TVs, but I was old enough for black and white cell phones. Come on. All we had, what you could call text and play snakes. Amen. I mean, that's all we had. It was rough. Uh, but I, the, the, it was 16 years old when he became a king. He was inexperienced. He thought to himself, I've never been here before. I've never done this before. And I believe in that place, but he was overwhelmed by all of that. In his humble desperation, he began to seek after God, you ever been in a place like that? You remember when you were about to have your first baby and you were excited about it and the baby showers were going on, your friends were excited for you, your family were excited for you, but when you laid in bed all by yourself at night, you thought to yourself, I'm going to have a child. And then all of a sudden the reality, the responsibility began to set in on you as a mother. And you thought to yourself, I've never done this before. I've never been here before. I'm going to be responsible for keeping another human being alive. 
And all of a sudden, the weight set in on you, and you said, oh, God, you've got to help me. You remember, sir, when right before you got married and you were having uh, a good time with your friends and you were excited about getting married and it was, uh, you were pumped up about it, but all of a sudden when, when the parties were over and the friends were gone and family was gone and it was just you by yourself with God, you thought, wow, I'm about to be married and all of a sudden I'm not just responsible for me. That was okay. Now I'm responsible to take care of her as well and meet all of her. I've never been a husband before. I don't know what to do. God, I need your help. Humble desperation. And the Bible says that as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. I love that phrase, and he sought God. There's a word picture there, and it literally means, seeking God literally means this in the Old Testament. It means to tread a path. It means to tread a path. In our church in Arkansas, back behind our building, we have a grassy field. And uh, usually, and I, I like to walk that field. I'm, I'm a walker. Uh, you know those old people at the mall who make their laps around the mall? That's my crowd. I like to walk. And so usually every morning I'm back there in that field and I'm walking around the field and praying that's where I spend time with the Lord and so that grassy field uh, from the asphalt all the way back to the back fence and from the side fence to the other side fence it is covered in grass except for one area and that is the area around our play set and we have a, ch- we have a, church, uh, a school at our church and they're out for summer now but multiple times a day throughout the school day at our church uh, the, young, the young people they go out back and little feet trample the grass all around that place set. The entire field is covered in grass except for the area right around the place set. Why? Because the grass has been walked over it has been tread on and you can tell that little feet had trampled the ground and tread a path all around uh, that playground. The the phrase seeking God means to tread a path. And listen, it's figurative, but if you could literally see the path between Uzziah and God, there would be no grass there. Because he went to God back and forth over and over and over continuously and rigorously and said, God, I need you. God, I need strength. God, I need wisdom. God, I need your help with this. God, I don't know what decision to make. God, I need your help. And over and over and over, he sought God. And he went back and forth to God. And he tread a path between him and God. Let me ask you a question this morning. What does the path between you and God look like? There was a time in some of your lives, it was a well-worn path. But some of you, you don't tread that path anymore. Now after you've had a few kids, come on now, you've got this. Now that you've been married all these years, now you've got this. And no longer do you have a humble desperation. And now no longer do you seek the Lord. But there was a time when the path was well trod. The Bible says as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And you read verse number 6 all the way down through verse number 15. And it lists one after another of amazing, incredible accomplishments that God performed through Uzziah. The Bible Bible says in verse 6, And he went forth and warred against the Philistines that break down the wall. The Bible says in verse 7, and God helped him against the Philistines. It says in verse number 9, moreover, Uzziah built towers, so he was a man of war. He was a soldier. I mean, he was victorious on the battlefield. Then verse 9 says he was a builder. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem. Verse number 10, also he built towers in the desert. He was a soldier. Uh, he was, a, he, he was a, a builder. Notice the last phrase of verse number 10. And vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he love husbandry. He was a farmer as well. Sometimes you'll meet a man, and most men are good at one or two things. They're real good. 
But every once in a while, you'll run into a man who's good at all kinds of things. How many knows what I'm talking about? And that's the kind of man Uzziah was. It seemed like everything he touched turned to gold. You say, why? Because God was prospering him. There was a discernible pattern. As long as he sought the Lord, the Lord made him to prosper. Can I say in 2019, those who still seek the Lord, God still causes them to prosper. Number one, there was a discernible pattern in his life. But number two, it led to a dangerous problem. It led to a dangerous problem. Notice the second half of verse number 15. The Bible says, uh, halfway down, And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously held till he was strong. Verse 16. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. All the blessings and all the prosperity and all the success that he enjoyed as a result of God should have caused him to be humble, but instead it caused him to be proud. Now see, this Bible says, a pride cometh before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride leads to destruction. And all of a sudden, he got proud. And listen to me, I don't think it happened overnight. I don't think he went from humbly at a humble desperation, seeking after God, to waking up the next morning, being a proud, arrogant man. I don't think it happened that way. And here's the danger of pride. I believe the danger of pride begins to seep in subtly, and so subtle that we don't even realize it at times. And I think there's two keys here. Notice verse number 8, the Bible says... And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah, and his name spread abroad. Now notice verse number 15 again, the second half. And his name spread far abroad. Verse 8 said his name spread abroad. Verse 15, his name spread far abroad. Boy, as God began to prosper him and bless him and use him, word began to travel. And as he would make his way around the kingdom and the different parts of the area and the land, he would show up and people would say, oh, that's Uzziah. Uzziah, we've heard about you. Uzziah, everybody's talking about you. Uzziah, everybody knows who you are. Everybody knows what you've done. We know all about you, Uzziah. Everybody's talking about you. Can I say that? That can have a dangerous effect on a man. How many of those statements like that begin to seep in and creep into a man's heart? And listen to me. And instead of deflecting the praise, he started to accept the praise. They said, we've heard about your military, Uzziah. That's wonderful. They said, Uzziah, we've heard about all the towers and all the, all, all the uh, military fortresses that you built up. Man, that's wonderful, Uzziah. We've heard about your, your husbandry and all the farming and the ranching that you've done, Uzziah. We've heard about your crops. We've heard about your cattle. That's wonderful, Uzziah. But instead of saying, no, the Lord did that. And by the way, I believe there was a time in his life when he would have said, oh, no, the Lord did that. The Lord did that. That God blessed us in that area. God did that. God did that. But there came a time when he stopped deflecting the praise and he started accepting the praise and his heart got filled with pride. You better be very careful how you handle praise. You better be very careful how you process praise. I was with the family not long ago in Texas. I was preaching a youth conference. And that particular pastor and his family, they just had kids that are just respectful and just love God and were just excited about what's going on. And listen to me. A preacher's kids are just like anybody else's kids. They're all growing. We don't hold them to a higher standard. Knock that off. Come on now. 
But these kids just had a heart for God. They had great attitudes. So my wife, and whenever she sees something like that, she'll pull the wife aside. And she says, what did you do to have such wonderful kids? And, and that lady just bowed her and just looked to the ground and shook her head. And she said, it is only by the grace of God. She says, we dropped the ball and we blew it and we failed so many times. She said, it's only the grace of God. What was she doing? She was deflecting the praise to God. I was preaching a revival in the South not long ago, and, and usually on the road during a week of revivals, we go to people's house and have meals, and they're kind to us in that way. But this particular night, we went and had dinner at a millionaire's house. I've never been in a millionaire's house, but I did that night. They gave us the directions, and we pulled up to the house, and there was a, we went to the gate, and there was a long uh, road to get down to the house. There was pastures on either side, and horses and cows. There was a huge, uh, uh, just a, a tank and a, a pond over here. And finally, we got down to, it wasn't a house, it was like a compound. And there were several houses there, and his house is right here. There was kind of a playhouse here, and there was a hangar for his, his, his airplanes over here. And finally, he I was hoping I was in the right place, and he stepped out and said, you're right, come on in and so we parked and, and he invited us in and sure enough we went to the outer room and then we walked into the dining room and there was the kitchen and the dining room was over here and I've just never seen a house like that before. We walked into the living room. There was massive curtains. I told my wife, don't you touch anything. I mean there was stuff that was who knows how much and then, and then off of the living room there was just there was a room just for the piano and there was a baby grand piano in there and it was kind of a circular uh, octagon kind of room and there was big old window panes and huge curtains and up on the ceiling there was paintings listen if you have paintings on your ceilings you are rich okay I mean what is this assisting chapel I mean this was just absolutely incredible and there were several of us there that night and several of the people just over and over again complimented that couple over and over again and said your house is gorgeous this is incredible this is unbelievable and every time that millionaire and his wife would say God's been good to us God's blessed us God's been kind to us. Listen to me. Every time people sent praise their way, they continued to deflect it back to God and said all of this is because of God. When you get in the habit of, start, of accepting the praise instead of deflecting the praise, you're in trouble because you're allowing pride to enter into your heart. And notice what happens. It gets worse. It goes on to say in verse 16, but when he was strong, he was successful. He was blessed. His heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar. Now listen to me. He wasn't allowed to do that. All of a sudden, when his heart got proud, he was no longer content to just be Uzziah the king. Now he wanted to be Uzziah the priest. Listen to me. He wasn't allowed to do that. Now in the Bible at times, you will find a priest who becomes a prophet, but no king and no prophet could become a priest. But all of a sudden here, Uzziah gets proud. And listen to me, when you and I get proud, we start getting arrogant. When you and I allow proud pride to fill our hearts, we start to get arrogant. Now listen to me, and we start to think the rules don't apply to us. And all of a sudden, he just walks into the temple. He grabs the censer there, and he starts burning that on the altar of incense. And all of a sudden, the Bible says in verse number 18 and uh, verse number 17, And Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. Eighty priests in Azariah showed up to confront him and said, Uzziah, what are you doing? Listen, when you start getting proud, you start getting arrogant, and you think the rules don't apply to you. You'll start getting proud, and listen to me, at work, you'll start receiving the flirtatious advances of the secretary. 
you start getting proud, ma'am, and you start uh, getting on Facebook Messenger, and you start hooking up and chatting with some old high school fling because you think the rules don't apply to you. Everybody okay this morning? Happy Father's Day to you. Amen? This pride's a bad deal. When you get proud, you start getting arrogant. You think, well, the rules don't apply to me. You know why you do that? Because you're arrogant. Pride will make you arrogant. Notice it goes on to say, they confronted him. Verse 18, they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto the Uzziah to burn incense unto the Lord, but the priests are the sons of Aaron that, that are consecrated to burn. He said, Uzziah, you know that you're not a part of the sons of Aaron. There's only a certain line of people that can be priests, and you're not one of them. He said, you're out of bounds, Uzziah. You've crossed the line, Uzziah. You stepped over the boundary. He goes on to say, Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Now, this is verse number 19. They confronted him and corrected him. This is his response in verse 19. Then Uzziah was wroth. Now, listen to me. In 2019, we don't use the word wroth anymore. No teenager backs the car out uh, back into the mailbox and says, Oh, man, mom and dad are going to be wroth with me. Okay, nobody says that. But it does look a whole lot like wrath. The word wrath here means raging like a storm. Well, up in our neck of the woods, up in Arkansas, this has been tornado weather. And the past couple of weeks, man, it's just been like every, every night the, the phones are like going off and, and certain the sirens are going off. I'm talking about 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning, the, 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 the alerts will go off. There's a tornado in the area. And so we're like getting ready for cover. And it's storm season there. The Bible says, and he got wroth, raging like a storm. Let me ask you a question, sir. How do you react when your wife says, honey, I love you, you know that, but I think there's some areas in your life that, that you really need to work on. I think you really need to work on this area of your life. What happens next? What happens next? Man, what happens to you when, when your husband comes to you and says, Honey, I, I think there's some blind spots in your life, and I don't think that you see it. I don't think that you recognize it, but I really think you need to work on this area of your life. Sadly, for some of you women, when your, wife, when your husband corrects you, tornado sirens start going off. Why? Because you're arrogant. See, there's a connection between pride and anger. Everybody okay? It'll make you arrogant, and it'll make you angry. How do you respond to correction? That reveals a whole lot about your heart. It goes on to say this in verse number, uh, verse number 19. Then Uzziah was wroth and had censer in his hand to burn incense while he was wroth with the priest. The leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. All of a sudden, because he didn't respond right the and he sinned, the judgment of God was placed on him and leprosy began in his forehead. Number one, I see a discernible pattern. Number two, I see a dangerous problem. And then number three, I see a destroyed potential. Destroyed potential. Listen to me. There, there's a cycle here. And here's the cycle. It's real simple. Many times we start off in humility and we're seeking the Lord. And our humility leads to blessings. But unfortunately, too many times our blessings lead to pride. And then our pride leads to sin. And sin leads to judgment. 
Well, that cycle happens all over the Bible. And too many times in our own lives, that cycle goes on and on and on. Can I say this today? Many of our homes and marriages and our lives, we need to break the cycle. We need to break the cycle. You say, how? By seeking the Lord and deflecting the praise. Let's close it out right here in verse number 21. And Uzziah the king was a leper until the day of his death and dwelt in a several house. A separated, he could no longer stay in the palace. He had to stay in a separated house being a leper. For he was cut off from the house of the Lord. He couldn't even worship anymore in the temple. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house. So at that point, he and his son co-reigned for the rest of Uzziah's life. Now the Bible says in verse 23, So Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the barrel which belonged to the king. So he was not put in the tomb with the rest of the kings. He was just out in the cemetery of the royal cemetery, not in the actual tomb. For they said, he is a leper. Listen to me. I like a story with a good ending, don't you? I mean, everybody does. That's why the day after Thanksgiving, all the way to Christmas Day, your wife and daughters are parked on the couch watching Hallmark movie, uh, Christmas movie marathons. And the rest of us men are in a deer stand somewhere. Amen. Why? Because everybody likes a story with a good ending. But can I say, not every story has a good ending. Not every marriage has a good ending. Not every church has a good ending. Not every life has a good ending. Humility will take you up. Pride will take you down. It's the downfall. Of pride. Father, we love you today. Lord, I believe that you set Uzziah up. To, he did great things for you. He did mighty things for you. But I believe that you intended to do greater things and mightier things through his life. But because of his pride, he destroyed his potential. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you're here and you say, I believe the Holy Spirit has spoken to my heart this morning. There was something that God dealt with me about today. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Say, preacher, pray for me. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Can I say this? Our homes and our marriages and our families, we need to, our churches, we need a revival of humility, don't we? This pride is a nasty thing. It's destructive. We need a revival of humility. Let me make this point, I'll be done. I believe once Azariah and the priest confronted him in the temple, I believe if Uzziah would have stopped and repented of what he was doing, I believe God may have saved him from the judgment. This morning the Holy Spirit has confronted you in your heart about your pride. And you have a decision to make. You can continue on in your sin or you can repent and receive mercy and grace this morning. The choice is yours. If you're here today, says, Preacher, if I were to die right now, oh, I'm not a perfect Christian, but I know that I am a Christian. I know that I'm going to heaven one day when I die. If that's you, you know Jesus as your Savior. Would you raise your hand this morning? I know that I'm saved. Praise the Lord. I wonder if there's somebody here, maybe a guest, maybe a member, who says, Preacher, I don't know that I'm going to heaven. I know I don't want to go to hell, but I'm not sure that I'm going to heaven. Would you pray for me today, preacher? If that's you, would you raise your hand? I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I'm going to heaven. I see a hand over here. Anybody else? Preacher, pray for me. I don't know that I'm going to heaven. 
Can I say this? If you're here today and says, I don't know that I'm saved, would you humble yourself in just a moment? I'm going to give an invitation, and we're going to invite you to come down and walk down an aisle, meet a pastor right here at the front. And if you're here and say, I don't know that I'm saved, won't you come and let us show you from the Bible how to be saved? If you let your pride keep you from being saved today, it may destroy you for all of eternity. Come be saved today. Father, we love you today. Bless the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet today. Heads bowed, eyes closed. No one looking on today. And if you're here and God dealt with your heart, won't you come and use the altar this morning and ask God to help you to walk in humility? If you're here and say, I need to be saved. I don't know that I'm going to heaven. I'm going to ask you that you simply step out of your seat. Walk right down this aisle. No one else is looking. And we'll show you from the Bible how to be saved. Would you do that today? As the alt, as I'm going to pray and you come. Father, bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you come, Brother John? Amen. I don't know if anybody else here this morning would like to come and spend some time at the altar. You say, this is something that God is dealing with me on. I can tell you this, that I'm here right now. And I will be one of the ones that will be here at the altar. And I will uh, just um, give a few moments here for us to let God deal with our hearts. Father, we do thank you for speaking to our hearts as a church. We thank you, Father, for each life that was impacted by your truth, and especially for the soul that was this morning making a profession of faith and deciding to make you their Savior. I pray, Father, that you would be with each one of us that are either here at the altar or in our hearts or making decisions in regards to the message this morning. We pray, Father, that you would help us. You would caution us and allow us to be alert to that warning father it's for a reason it's for a purpose and we thank you for your messenger we pray lord that you would just uh, bless the seed that's been planted in every life and every heart and uh, may it be a growth point in our lives bless us now in jesus name amen and amen thank you brother taylor what a great challenge this morning and uh, just a few announcements before we cut you guys loose this morning uh, in fact you know what you can be seated here for just a second and then uh, and then we'll be uh, we'll wrap it up here this way i just want to remind everybody that uh, we do have a men's meeting